You're listening to Zeidler Group's Legal Zeitgeist podcast, the funds law podcast series that helps asset management firms reevaluate and revolutionize their current approach to investment funds law with the latest technology, legal and regulatory compliance insights, and best practices. Hello, my name is Jasmine Kamakovic, and I'm a senior associate at Zeidler Group. Today, I'm joined by Elisa Forleta Ferenberg, who is head of ESG here at Zeidler, and I'm hoping to get a bit of insight on the current developments around one of the hottest topics in the industry, which is ESG. Thank you, Elisa, for your time and for joining me today. Hi, Jasminka. Thank you for having me. To start us off, could you please summarize where we are at the moment with the relevant regulations for ESG? The next key date seems to be the 1st of January. Could you let us know what funds and managers should be ready for by that date? Sure. Where are we now with ESG then? SFDR is coming to force on the 10th of March 2021. The taxonomy regulation came into force almost a year earlier in July 2020, but the taxonomy actually will start applying formally on the 1st of January 2022. This year, we've also seen the RTS to both SFDR and the taxonomy. These have been published, but are not yet finalized. And we've also seen some of the delegated acts to the taxonomy as well. In terms of what needs to be done by 1st of January 2022, at the moment, what asset managers should have on their websites are their entity level disclosures, so principal adverse impact statements, Article 6 disclosures in relation to sustainability risks, so their sustainability risk policies, and also they should have categorized their funds if they are Article 8 or Article 9 and have those disclosures on the website since the 10th of March. There was a small divergence from the principal adverse impact statements for big entities, which could benefit from an extended deadline to put up their statement on the 30th of June 2021. Now, from the 1st of January 2022, then, for any of the funds that do not fall under Article 8 or Article 9 SFDR, the fund's pre-contractual disclosures and the periodic reports must have a boilerplate statement, which reads more or less as follows. So the the investments underlying this financial product do not take into account the EU criteria for environmentally sustainable economic activity, which means, in essence, that the products are not taxonomy aligned. Asset managers might want to consider including these boilerplate disclosures in the fund documents for Article 8 and 9 SFDR funds as well, if there are no detailed taxonomy product disclosures applying to them so that they can make their position clear. In relation to the periodic reports, which starts to apply from the 1st of January 2022, asset managers will need to consider, I guess, a template for periodic reporting between the 1st of January and currently the 30th of June 2022, which is supposed to be in compliance with the Level 1 SFDR requirements. This is because there is a delay on the RTS at the moment. It still needs to be confirmed by the European Commission when will that start to apply. The periodic reporting I just mentioned from the 1st of January to 30th of June can be at a very high level. And then potentially from the 1st of July 2022, then asset managers will need to adopt a more detailed level uh, compliance for those periodic reporting. And they will need to specify which reference periods they refer to. That's obviously for Article 8 and Article 9 funds. 
In terms of the taxonomy regulation, the RTS from 1st of January 2022, again, to be confirmed by the European Commission, if you have an article nine funds that invest in an economic activity uh, that is um, taxonomy aligned or an article eight funds that invest in sustainable investment with an environmental objective and one of the environmental objective is either climate change mitigation or climate change adaptation and then the pre-contractual and periodic disclosures for those products need to be adapted to the taxonomy regulations however again here the level two is rts to the taxonomy are not yet finalized and the application of these is uh, delayed until 1st of July 2022. So again, here there are two scenarios. Uh, one, to only comply with the detailed requirement uh, from 1st of July 2022, the detailed requirements being the, the level two RTS or comply with the level one from 1st of January to uh, 30th of June next year, ignoring the level two requirements on the RTS and then comply from July with the level two on the RTS. At the moment, it's really up to each firm to make a, a decision on this, how they wish to comply with this periodic and disclosure requirements. Thank you very much, Elisa. That was very comprehensive. Sounds like there's still a lot of uncertainty in the industry. Also, the delegated acts or the RTS, uh, not everything has yet been finalized. So thank you for this very comprehensive explanation. But it does sound that the funds have some options, at least for the time being. Another potential challenge that we might be facing is gold plating. Are there going to be any countries that are gold plating the requirement? And if they are, Will there be a difference in requirements for the funds that are domiciled in those countries versus the funds that are just distributed to those countries? What we're seeing at the moment is a different approach is being taken in France and Germany. In France, there was a position paper issued, which has now been called the AMF uh, doctrine uh, that applies to funds that prefer themselves to be sustainable or have sustainability in their names and marketing material. If this is the case, funds that are domiciled in France and funds that are marketed into France have to comply with some additional disclosure requirements. In fact, uh, marketing materials will need to be adapted to ensure that the communication is proportionate to the objectives of the funds. Potentially, if it's not compliant uh, with the AMF doctrine, then all references to, to ESG or sustainability in the marketing materials may need to be removed. Now, this applies to funds that are domiciled in France and funds that are marketed into France but are domiciled elsewhere in Europe. On Germany, then, we've seen two important initiatives or regulatory action taking place. On the one hand, there is a consultation from and the Baffin, uh, which was issued on the 2nd of August and actually closed on the 24th of September. Baffin published draft guidelines for consultation on sustainable investment funds. It sets out how the German investment funds must be structured to qualify as sustainable or to be marketed as sustainable in Germany. Uh, the guideline is aimed at preventing greenwashing by setting clear requirements for uh, sustainable investment funds. The, the guideline defines what are sustainable funds 
in Germany and specifically refers to funds that have a reference to sustainability in their name or which are explicitly marketed as sustainable in the prospectus or other marketing material. One thing to note is that the disclosures in the prospectus which are required by SFDR do not automatically bring the investment fund in scope of these guidelines, but sustainability factors must be a determining feature of the investment approach of the fund in the scope of these guidelines. So Buffin is setting a quota in percentage for minimum sustainable investment, which was dropped from the previous version that was 90% to 75% in this case. It's then asking for uh, specific percentages in relation to the issuers or the total revenue of the portfolio, which may not be derived from specific energy production or oil or extraction of services for oil sands and oil shales. It's also uh, saying that where where there is no specific percentage of sustainable investment uh, set in the investment policy as an investment limit, the investment fund may still qualify as a sustainable investment if it pursues a sustainable investment strategy. And In particular, it refers to best-in-class asset strategies where 75% of the assets are selected based on uh, sustainability factors. In addition, Baffin mentions the existence of sustainable index and if in accordance with the investment policy, the fund passively replicates a sustainable index, uh, then uh, this may qualify under a sustainable fund under the Baffin guidelines. Baffin also helpfully provides some guidelines of what is not considered acceptable under it. Obviously, funds that that are changing their investment guidelines to comply with this will need to submit it to Baffin and change the investment terms of the fund. Um, It's also unclear as to when this will be applied and whether any changes will take place uh, prior to the final version. So we are expecting uh, an answer on those questions from Baffin. And what is also unclear is how this will apply to funds that are not German domiciled and market themselves as sustainable into Germany, whether an approach will be adopted as for France, where a negative statement will be required for compliance or not. So this is the what remains to be clarified on that. And then I mentioned another initiative, which is more of an industry initiative, which is aimed at addressing the MIFID II delegated uh, directive and the delegated regulations, um, which require investment firms to identify target market for each financial instrument and to also provide to clients that have sustainable preferences, only uh, sustainable funds as defined under the MIFID II directive. The German um, industry has uh, sat together uh, for a couple of years now and and come up with a a common concept which was published early in September to ensure that a higher standard is adopted in Germany for sustainable funds. So it refers to the MIFID concepts of Article 8 funds having to include PAIs and also the definitions of sustainable investment under SFDR and under the taxonomy. It is obviously a voluntary initiative and an industry initiative, but our expectation is that if no disclosure is provided by non-German fund providers or asset managers, there is a risk that German distributors may not be in in a position to further distribute this product if no information is provided or if the funds are not in compliance with this concept. So we advise our clients to keep an eye on these and potentially assess whether their Article 8 funds are already in compliance with this additional requirement under this industry concept. Thank you very much. So looks like we still have a lot of potential challenges to face and it's still very unclear on the national level as well. 
one other thing that we noticed in the industry lately is that some funds and managers are revisiting their position on categorization of funds, meaning that, for example, the funds were categorized as Article 8 funds earlier this year, but then after that initial categorization, now they have realized that the fund is, for example, an Article 6 fund. What would be the approach that the funds and manager would have to take in such case? Is there any legal risks? Would they have to change the investment objective, perhaps? My assumption is that a lot of players in the industry are reviewing their fund categorization due to the answers to the to the ESAS Q&A that was published earlier uh, this year, which purported to provide some clarification, but in fact added to some more confusion in the industry. So the commission, particularly in relation to Article 8 fund, uh, defined what it meant by promotion, which meant to include uh, giving the impressions. So the names and designation of the funds are also included in the meaning of promotion. First to the Q&A also state that Article 8 may comply with the principal adverse impact regimes and uh, the integration of sustainability risk was not necessarily, uh, is not sufficient for the product to be categorized as Article 8. On the other hand, it is unclear if complying with the PAI regime would be sufficient to bring the product into scope for Article 8. It seems that it would be the case if principal adverse impact compliance would be be supporting this concept of promotions or giving the impression. The the other thing that that the Q&A added is that uh, Article 8 products are also not subject to specific thresholds and they can use mix and match of strategies and with specific uh, regard to exclusions, products that apply those but do not actively promote specific ENS characteristics are not likely to fall under Article 8 category. This uh, is also true if if these exclusions are those that are legally required. Now, in terms of the risks of us associated with reclassifying the product, this really depends on the approach that was taken before 10th of March 2021. Did the investment manager um, actually um, just update the prospectus with its disclosures, uh, meaning that it already had classified its product as Article 8 with no change to the investment guidelines? So it was just a compliance requirement, or did the investment manager actually at the time before 10th of March 2021 adapt its product or reclassify its product, what would have been an Article 6 product into an Article 8 product, in which case it would have had to submit um, changed investment guidelines already at the time. Now, the the legal risk class uh, associated with those is different. On the one hand, obviously, there is a disclosure obligations, which is imposed by SFDR. On the other hand, there's obviously a strategic decision uh, to change the investment strategy of a fund to bring it in compliance with SFDR. Now, what we would advise the the investment managers out there who are considering these steps is to be transparent and to consider what steps they have taken. So if they are now wanting to change the investment objective again, they have to go to the regulator, seek approval for that and go through uh, the various uh, information requirements towards their investors. If, however, they had already deemed that their Article 8 fund was already Article 8 prior to 10th of March, and now they want to reclassify this to Article 6 or Article 9, Again, they would need to uh, reach out to their investor, be transparent, and also engage in conversations with the regulators on this point. Thank you very much, Elisa. This has been very 
informative, very helpful. It adds some clarity to all the different regulations and requirements. It looks like ESG will continue to be on everyone's radar in the future. That's for sure. Thank you very much for your time. You reached the end of another episode of the Legal Zeitgeist podcast. Connect with us at zeidler.group to subscribe. Thank you for listening. The Legal Zeitgeist podcast is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute legal advice. Professional legal advice should be obtained before taking or refraining from any action as a result of the contents of this podcast. All rights reserved.